I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of Live Wire is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving or cleaning, even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hello there. Welcome to the Best News Podcast from LiveWire, brought to you by Alaska Airlines. This is the show where we talk extensively about what is good in the news, sometimes too extensively for our <laughs> boss's liking, but you just you just can't keep the good news down some weeks. By the way, my name is Luke Burbank. Right over there is Elena Passarello. Hello. Hi. How's it going? It's going well. This is, um, I think, week 27 of the podcast. Yep, it's our Saturn return episode. <laughs> now, before we started recording, you mentioned that you had a mea culpa that you needed to offer. What's what's going on? Okay, so do you remember last week when I told the story about Elton John getting the National Humanities Medal and how they didn't play when he played at the White House? My favorite Elton John song, jokingly, my favorite Elton John song is Someone Saved My Life Tonight, but my joking favorite is Amarina because in the chorus he goes, and she drums of crystal stroms. Yeah, which is like so obscure that I had never even heard of it. And so when you said they didn't play it, I was like, well, of course not. I mean, Elton John has like 5,000 songs. They're not going to play the one that has like the most bizarre lyric that I can think of. Yeah, well, um, I guess that's not the reason why they didn't play it. So I was thinking about that song and laughing and singing it to David because David and I often sing it to each other, but we don't play the song very much since like the first time we heard it on like a road trip or whatever. So we put it on. Uh Uh-oh. It's a chorus. So that part comes up like four times and we're eating breakfast and every single time it comes up, Elton John goes, and she dreams of crystals, dreams. And I was like, oh, must be the next one. Because his vocal delivery over the course is like, lady, I think you're thinking about my lady, I'm arena. So, it's of the vowel kind of patterning that he has ascribed to the song. Second verse. And she dreams of crystal streams. Oh, and it's, no. he's like he's like making it worse. Third verse. And she dreams <laughs> of crystal streams. The last verse is the rain in Spain flows <laughs> <right>. mainly <laughs> in the plain. That's right. And it's like a it's like when you learn something that you thought was true your whole life was just a complete falsehood. Like our relationship has been built on the drums of crystal strands. We say it to each other constantly, but we must have just like been joking around and then embedded it in our own cultural memory of the song. Mandela affected it. Was that what the Mandela effect is? That's yeah, that's kind of a hot concept right now, like this idea that something that never happened, if you just 
heard that it happened and then repeated the story. Like one of the things is that people think that the um, the sun on the box of Raisin Bran used to have sunglasses on. Uh-huh. But it doesn't. And it's never what? had sunglasses. But there are people that will absolutely die on the hill of the Raisin Bran sun used to have sunglasses. That's the Mandela effect. Can it be the Mandela effect if it's only just like a couple? Like two people in a house. (laughs) Anything that you believe deeply that there's just absolutely no factual evidence for, I think is the Mandela effect. I have so many things like that too. And it's like, it's, it's like slightly sad when you actually verify the thing that's been cracking you up for years and years that has no basis in reality. I'm devastated. No joke. I am absolutely, I feel like my life is a lie. Well, you know, we do work with highly skilled technical recording people and I, we could get maybe like you to record a version, your own version where you sing it all jacked up like you want to. And then that can be, you can play that one. Play it at breakfast. Good morning, honey. I should try the crystal straws. Also, that's really a function of being in a long-term relationship, right? Which is like, and if it's a good one, it's probably 80% based on inside jokes and just like repetitive silliness. It's getting turned in a river of conversation, like a rock, and just like all of the edges, and let's be honest, reality of it is just getting eventually tumbled right (laughs) off of it. (laughs) Let's talk about what's actually good out there in the wider world. Elena, what's the best news that you saw this week? All right, I got to go back into the world of popular music to bring you some Lizzo news. Is this about Lizzo lyrics that you only vaguely remember? (laughs) <laughs> good as hell. I thought she was saying good as heel. <laughs> it's all about <laughs> shoes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, a lot of people probably already know this. Um, I love Lizzo for a million different reasons, but one of the things I love about Lizzo is that I feel like she she lives the life that she wants to live no matter how unlikely some people might think it is, right? Most people know her because she's, you know, she's a fat woman who really loves her body and does all these things that society tells people not to do if their bodies aren't perfect. She was a woman rapper in a male-dominated game. But she also, when she became a superstar, kept playing the flute in her concerts. (laughs) Like, it's not necessarily something that I... Associate with (laughs) hip-hop. Or pop divadom, you know, but it's just a part of who Lizzo is as a classically trained flautist. Uh, So then, this is great, on Twitter, the director of the Library of Congress, the first black woman to lead the Library of Congress, Carla Hayden, got in touch with Lizzo because I didn't know this, but the Library of Congress has the largest flute collection on the planet. She sent a picture of all these beautiful flutes and invited Lizzo over to come play them when Lizzo's tour stopped in D.C. last week. Lizzo shows up, and among the flutes that she played is a, speaking of crystal strams, crystal (laughs) flirts, she plays a crystal flute that was owned by the third U.S. president, James Madison. Uh, Not only that, it uh, was a gift from a French instrument maker named Claude Laurent, And it was one of the very few items that Dolly Madison saved from the White House when it burned to the ground in the 1810s. I remember she saved that famous portrait of George Washington that hung in the National Portrait Gallery or something. Wow. This is the first time learning of this. And by the way, 
I was just in the National Portrait Gallery like three weeks ago. Clearly, I should have paid more attention. <laughs> I love, well, don't get me started. The best news I've heard all week is ever that somebody went to the National Portrait Gallery. I am obsessed with the National Portrait Gallery. If I was a pop diva, instead of playing the flute, I would just sing songs in like a spangled leotard and then talk about the National Portrait Gallery. But I digress. So Lizzo plays this flute and there's footage of her playing it in the hall of the Library of Congress, which I believe you were kind enough to help me figure out how to work. Yeah, this is this is beautiful. To, and again, I didn't even know a glass flute was a thing. A crystal flute was a thing. Like it's this sounds amazing. Take a listen. I think I forget how actually good Lizzo is at the flute because, you know, a lot of pop stars have some musical background. Maybe they played in like high school band or something or whatever. And I guess I I knew that she played flute, but that's really good. Like, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really, really something. And, and, you know, that clip goes on and she just plays a lot of lovely things. She played a, a bunch of different flutes but she took the crystal flute or someone brought her the crystal flute to her performance uh, in a local arena that night. Can I just play you a little bit of this arena thing? Because I think there's something interesting that happens here, okay? This is about midway through her sort of trying to play the flute. It's crystal. It's like playing out of a wine glass. Be patient. Here it comes. Do you think, Elena, that is the loudest applause that has ever happened for a flute performance? I mean, Jethro Tull, dude. I guess they probably had a lot of people at their shows. I was just thinking of the time when flute was at its high point. I feel like the crowds would have been smaller than a Lizzo concert in D.C., but maybe I'm wrong. You're thinking Aqualung getting more love than... Yeah, and there's a lot of great jazz flute out there. No, but I love at the concert, Lizzo was wearing this amazing gold spangled bodysuit. She's glistening in success, right? Mm. Because she's been just dancing hard. She plays this crystal flute that's over almost 200 years old or over 200 years old, 209 years old. And then she says, I just twerked and played James Madison's crystal flute from the 1800s and the crowd goes nuts. And then she hands it back to a a very differently dressed official representative of the Library of Congress who takes it in her glove hands and then puts it in some kind of like, I don't know, carrying case or something. The one thing that I hadn't thought of was, I mean, that that would have been a bad scene if that flute got dropped just because, uh, I mean... If I were Lizzo and I dropped that flute, I would have taken the recording of the crashing and worked it into, like, the like sampled it into a track. I mean, that would have been, that would have been an incredible, incredible moment. I mean, it was an incredible moment nonetheless. But now I'm, like, retroactively nervous about Lizzo <laughs> handing the flute to the <laughs> Library of Congress staffer, but... That is awesome. Yes, I think we can all agree that Lizzo is really the best of us and kind of one of the few things holding this country together at this point. Lizzo for president, 100%. I would would support. Or if Lizzo isn't interested in running, I would vote for this guy, Henry Bodder, who's in Australia. I don't know legally if this would work out, but this is the best <laughs> news that I saw this week. 
Uh, it is from ABC News. That's not like American Broadcast Corporation. This would be Australian Broadcast Corporation, which always gets me. I'm always confused uh, that they've got the same name, but uh, they did a piece on this guy. He's 91 years old. He's a macadamia farmer. His name is Henry Botter. The reason he's kind of notable is because he got basically, he was sort of took forced retirement from his job as a sales manager when he was 70. So, you know, that'll happen. He reached a certain age. They said, here's your golden watch and, you know, have a nice retirement. But he was not interested in retiring. So instead, he bought this like bare land in an area of northern New South Wales called Nakro. I've never been to Nakro, New South Wales, but a bare piece of land in Nakro, New South Wales <laughs> sounds challenging from a landscaping perspective. But he decided he wanted to become a macadamia farmer. So he went out there. First, he went to school to learn how to be a farmer. At 70. Yeah. And at this point, he's probably older than 70. And he starts growing macadamias. And now he's got three macadamia properties with 25,000 trees out there. He's 91. He still works the farm every single day. These are the things that this guy Henry has done since he turned 50, okay? He moved from South Africa to Australia. This is all after the age of 50. He remarried. He went to school to learn how to become a macadamia farmer. This was all on the back half of 50, which is giving me real life this week because, you know, I'm approaching 50 now and one considers, you know, kind of what I guess we'll say the back the back nine are going to look like. And it's easy <laughs> to fall into this trap of kind of thinking, well, you know, it's you, you're beginning the initial descent, you know, like if you're on the plane and they ask you to put away your laptop. You know, I thought I was 47 for like the last three months. And then I realized like four or five days ago, I'm 46, which <laughs> was seriously like I got a new lease on life. <laughs> I would highly recommend misremembering your age by one extra year for a period of time. Because it is like, I just got an entire year of my life back. Oh, congratulations. You, you could use it to macadamia nut farm, it sounds I like. I got to start by going to macadamia nut college. He also does Pilates several times a week. He just seems like a person who has not allowed whatever his age is on paper to impact how he goes after his life. Um, he says that uh, he does the Pilates because he's got to stay fit for farming. He says you've got to retain your social consciousness. You have to be active and do things after uh, we all – he says after all, we all live in a very interesting world. He like has made all these new friends since he moved to Australia and he goes and like hangs out with them. And he just like – he's just so engaged in life in this way that I found very, very inspiring. He also has recently taken up furniture making. So he just recently made a chair that was inspired by the Dutch artist Mondrian, which he learned how to do this kind of furniture making in his late 80s by watching a YouTube video. Good Lord. I know now it's just kind of making me feel bad. Boy. Yeah, I'm getting annoyed. <laughs> started off inspirational. I started off sad because I thought I was already 47. Then I got inspired by Henry. And then I started to be kind of like, we get it. Henry, calm it down, dude. <laughs> Slow your roll. Yeah, exactly. He says, we only make use of 20% of our capabilities, so why not make use of the other 80% if you can? Forget about what you can't do and focus on what you can do. Uh, forget about yesterday and focus on tomorrow. So that is the advice from one Henry Botter, age 91, of Nakro, northern New South Wales. Elena, that means I've got 45 more solid years in me at a minimum. 
awesome. Think about how many best newses you're going to be able to share. (laughs) Welcome to week one million of the Best News Podcast. (laughs) Hey, coming up this week on the radio show, we're going to be talking to Tom Sharpling, who hosts the uh, long-running radio... They're not quite at episode one million, but they've done a lot of episodes of The Best Show... Uh, which if you know, you know. It's a, a very it's a very legendary, very cool call-in program. He's also a TV writer. He worked on the show Monk. And he's got a memoir out, which kind of chronicles the ups and downs of his life and also his dislike for Billy Joel, uh, which, you know. It's mostly that Tom is upset because he had bad seats at a Billy Joel concert when he was a teenager, which I don't, I don't know if I blame Billy for that. Anyway can hear the whole thing on the show next week. We're also going to get some comedy from one of our stand-up pals, Mohanad Al-Sheki, and we are going to get some music from the Oregon band Maita. So that's all coming up on Friday in this very same feed and then on radio stations all over the country throughout the weekend. So we'll see you there. Hey, a big thanks to the team who makes the Best News Podcast possible. Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko. Our assistant editor is Trey Hester. And our production fellow is Tanvi Kumar. Molly Pettit is our technical director and mixer. Our theme music is composed by A. Walker Spring. And also, thanks to you, our listeners. Hey, drop us uh, an email sometime, why don't you? It's bestnews at livewireradio.org. We'll be back next week in the meantime. Head on out there and have the absolute best week. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a piping hot episode of Livewire delivered right to your heart and ears each week? Well, guess what? That can happen when you subscribe to the Livewire podcast feed and you'll get the joy of surprising conversation every week. So go ahead and do it. It's super easy. You click on the button at the top of your podcast app, and bam, you are Livewire subscribed. And if you're still, you know, feeling the love, if you're enjoying the show, hey, maybe you could hook us up and uh, leave us a quick review. That'll help more people find out about Livewire. And thank you.